Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Well, let me wish you a very happy Easter. It's brilliant you've come and we're so pleased uh, that you are uh, with us. Now, let me ask you, if you lived in Forward, um, whether you got a copy of this through your door, uh, it's a magazine. I don't usually read these circulars, but um, it had such an arresting headline that I felt I had to read it. Change the day you die, it says on the front. When I opened it, I discovered it's a health magazine, page after page of products to make me healthy and live longer. Change the day you die by popping pills, omega-3 fish oils, multivitamins, cod liver oil tablets. I wish they were to change the name. Fish oil, cod liver oil. Anyway, apparently if you eat lots of them, you'll, you'll get it, you'll live longer. It's sound advice. And follow it and you may live longer. But of course, you will spend all your extra days opening packets and swallowing pills. And while you're at it, follow the government guidelines and eat five portions of fruit and veg a day. Or is it now seven? Uh, take 20 minutes exercise three times a week. Avoid junk food. There go the Easter eggs. And take a little bit of alcohol every day. It's good advice. Look after yourself. Keep healthy and live longer. But it doesn't matter how healthy I am, how healthy I eat, how many supplements I take and how much I exercise, I might delay the day I die, but I can't stop it. And when we think about it, we might be with Woody Allen, the American comedian, actor and director who quipped, I don't want to achieve immortality through my work. I want to achieve it through not dying. And he joked, death doesn't really worry me that much. I'm not frightened about it. I just don't want to be there when it happens. Uh, He jokes about it, but you might know Woody Allen thinks often and deeply about death and he's terrified by it. Listen to these words that he said. The fundamental thing behind all motivation and all activity is the constant struggle against annihilation and against death. It is absolutely stupefying in its terror. Well, he's right. Death is a terrible thing. And anyone who's come face to face with it knows how awful it hurts. As the vicar, I see a lot more of it than most, and it's completely devastating. The pain of it is overwhelming, and when you've seen it close up and personal, of course you'd do anything to prolong life and to find a solution if you could. And that's why Easter Sunday and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is such brilliant news. It provides the only solution we have to the problem of death, and it promises life beyond the grave forever. And that is utterly life-changing. So here we are celebrating Jesus' resurrection from the dead. But in the next few minutes, I want to ask, is it true? That's the question you see that Matthew wants us to ask ourselves as we read the last chapter of his gospel. It's all very well celebrating it, but is it true? Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Or to put it another way, what happened to his body? Now, if you want to follow along with me, you might like to grab hold of a Bible and turn to Matthew chapter uh, 28, it's page 1000. This chapter is a mystery thriller. If you like reading mystery thrillers, you'll love this chapter. It's not a murder mystery. The murder's not a mystery at all. We all know how Jesus was killed and who did it. No, the mystery is bound up with the body. According to Matthew, the body's not in the tomb. So where is it? And let's not uh, underestimate what a conundrum that is because it's not easy to dispose of a dead body. So what happened to Jesus' body that day? 
Well, here's scene one of this mystery thriller. I've called it The Unexpected Morning. Chapter 28, verse one. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. See how Jesus sets the scene? These two women, followers of Jesus, weren't expecting the resurrection. They went to the tomb. Mark, in his gospel, tells us they were going there to anoint Jesus' dead body. They'd seen Jesus die. They were at his crucifixion. Matthew tells us all about that at the end of chapter 27 in verses 55 and 56. And the women not only saw him die, they watched him being buried. Let me read for you chapter 27 and verse 59. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he'd cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. And then we read, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. So they saw the tomb being sealed with a huge stone boulder rolled across the entrance. And no doubt they heard about the guard that was posted to keep the tomb secure. See, this is how Matthew goes on at the end of 27, chapter 27, verse 62. He writes, the next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I'll rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples might come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. And this last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go, make the tomb as secure as you, you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. Do you see the, the authorities were so worried about Jesus' body being stolen, they went to great lengths to ensure it couldn't happen. So Mary Magdalene and, and the other Mary went to the tomb, verse 1, and they weren't expecting what came next at all. That scene one, the unexpected morning. There's only four scenes. Scene two, the shock of their lives. Listen to verse 2 of chapter 28. There was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him, they shook and became like dead men. Now, I know some people get very nervous around graveyards, but as someone who visits them regularly when I conduct funerals, let me tell you, normally, graveyards aren't scary places at all. In fact, they're normally quite peaceful. Normally... But there was nothing very normal about this resurrection morning. On this morning, there was very good reason to be scared. Strange things were happening. There was a violent earthquake, verse 2. That was scary. And there was an angel. And verse 3 says, his appearance was like lightning. Now, I don't know what that looked like. Was there crackling sound and sparks flying out of his body? Or was it, as you looked at him, it was like looking at a bright searchlight? I don't know, but it was scary. So scary, verse 4, the guards... Trained, tough military men shook and became like dead men. So when Mary Magdalene and the other Mary arrived, they too had the shock of their lives. They saw the angel, verse 2, he'd rolled back the stones from the tomb and he was sitting on it. I love that. I can just picture him, legs crossed, arms crossed, waiting for the women to arrive. And when they did turn up, do you see what he announced, verse 5? He said, don't be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified He's not here, he has risen. Now, what would you make of all that? If you were these women, you arrive at the tomb, the stone is moved back, 
The guards have scarpered, the tomb is empty, and there's an angel sitting on the stone. What can we deduce from that? Well, you could conclude that the body had been stolen, which takes us to scene three, what I've called the elaborate cover-up. Look at verse 11. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. (laughs) I love that as well. Do you hear that? The guards reported everything that had happened. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall when they explained the events of that morning. Can you imagine what they said to the chief priests? We were guarding the tomb when there was an earthquake and then we saw an angel. It was terrifying. I'd have loved to have seen the look on the face of the chief priest when the guards said that. But what is striking is that the religious leaders didn't treat these soldiers like a bunch of lying squaddies trying to get themselves out of a mess. If that had been the case, they'd have had their guts for garters. But no, verse 12, when the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. The chief priests wanted to bury the truth, so they came up with this cock and bull story about the the disciples um, uh, stealing the body. And the soldiers must have thought it was Christmas, which is slightly confusing because it was Easter, but you know what I mean. They must have thought it was their lucky day. They thought they were going to get it in the neck, possibly quite quite literally. They, they, They might well have been executed for allowing a body to go missing, but instead they received a very tidy sum, a little nest egg what you might call a little nest Easter egg. They were brought off and told what to say and they got witness protection from the chief priest. You see that in verse 14. We read, if this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. And that's the story to this very day, says Matthew in verse 15. Now, do you see the lengths people will go to to try and explain away the resurrection? And do you see why they do it? If Jesus has risen from the dead, then the face of the universe has been altered forever. If Jesus has been raised from the dead, then he is the undisputed king of the whole world. If Jesus has been risen from the dead, we'd be fools to ignore him, wouldn't we? Because if this is true, then here is the real solution to the problem of death. Jesus alone has the solution. And it's no longer the case that all the best I can do is delay death. If this is true, when death comes knocking at my door, I can face it with confidence, knowing it's not the end. How good is that? But of course, following Jesus can be thoroughly inconvenient when we've got our own lives all mapped out. So do you see the lengths people will go to to try and explain away the resurrection? But none of them add up. The explanation in verse 13 that the body was stolen while the guards were asleep is just unbelievable. The Roman guards were highly efficient and well-trained military men. If they'd fallen asleep, they wouldn't have been allowed to get away with it. The explanation in verse 13 that the disciples had the body is even more unbelievable because many of these same disciples died for their faith in Christ. Really, do you think they would have been ready to die for a story that they knew wasn't true? And if the authorities had Jesus' body, once this story about the resurrection had started to do the rounds, they'd have been sure to get the body and parade it around Jerusalem for everyone to see. You see, he's not dead. So what do you make of it? Where's the body? Which brings us to the final scene of our mystery thriller. Scene one, the unexpected morning. Scene two, the shock of their lives. Scene three, the elaborate cover-up. 
and scene four, the only explanation. Now look, if this was an episode of Agatha Christie's Poirot, at this point we find ourselves in the lounge of the seaside hotel and Major and Mrs Prendergast are there. And Miss Percival, the sister of Mrs Rose, is knitting as she sits in the circle. And Jack and Jill Long are there. No one knows whether Jack and Jill are married or not, but they're on holiday. And old Mr Sugden, he's lived in the hotel for years. He's a suspicious-looking figure, and no one knows if Sugden is his real name anyway. And then there's the Reverend Canon Whistle, who's there with his wife on holiday. They're all sitting in the lounge room, and at last, Pryro's got them all together. And he says, you will know, won't you, Canon Whistle? and Major and Mrs Pendergast, and Mrs Rose and Jack and Jill. You will know that for a fortnight now I've been struggling to find clues to solve this mystery. And then very very unexpectedly a piece of paper came into my hands and the camera goes round the room to see which faces are going white from fright. This piece of paper I found in Canon Whistle's bedroom. He was preparing a sermon for St Timothy's Parish Church at Lesser Whittingham in the... Well, never mind all that, I'm getting carried away. (laughs) You know how it goes. Well, here's the moment when we're going to discover the mystery of the missing body. But it's not something that we can discover on our own. Not even Pryro, with all his powers of deduction, could work this out because it's so totally unexpected. Left to ourselves, all we can say is that the body's not in the tomb. We need an explanation. And that's why the angel has been sent from heaven. The angel's words are the most important part of this whole episode. So if you've just switched off for a moment, then now's the time to come back. Please don't miss what the angel says. We've read it once, I'll read it again. Verse five, he said to the women, don't be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, he has risen. You see, Jesus is risen, so don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of global warming or terrorism or an interest rate rise or the future or redundancy or burglars. And don't even be afraid of death. Don't be afraid. See, here we are trying all sorts of things to avoid death. The best we can do is delay it. But Jesus has defeated it. And if we put our trust in him, we can be sure of life beyond the grave as well. I'll never forget the words of a friend of mine shortly after I became a Christian. He said, when I put my head on my pillow at night, I know that ultimately everything's okay. Isn't that brilliant? What if you know that sense of peace and well-being? That's what the resurrection gives us. Don't be afraid. Death has been defeated and there's a guarantee of life beyond the grave. So ultimately there is nothing left to be afraid of. That, of course, is why the stone was removed from the entrance to the tomb. Not to let the risen Lord Jesus out, but to let the women in so that they could see that Jesus' body wasn't in the tomb. So listen to how this little bit ends. Verse 8, the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. And suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. And so the mystery is solved. The mystery of the missing body. And with it, the mystery of life itself. Verse nine, the women clasped Jesus' feet. This wasn't a figment of their imagination. It wasn't a case of wishful thinking at all. After all, they hadn't expected Jesus to rise from the dead. And it wasn't a ghost. They grabbed hold of his feet. The angel explained the mystery. 
And now the women experienced it. Jesus rose from the dead. And that changes everything. Now look, I haven't had time to go into all the evidence for the resurrection with you this evening. But can you see that Jesus rising from the dead is the most plausible explanation for his missing body? And can you see how brilliant this is if it's true and how utterly life-transforming it is and how good it would be to know for sure that there is life beyond the grave? Well, if you are beginning to say, I would love to know that, let me invite you back after Easter, oh, well, to any of our meetings here on Sundays, but very especially, let me invite you back to the Christianity Explored course that we're going to run here. Uh, you'll see the details at the uh, page four at the end of this service order. It begins on Tuesday evening, the 13th of May. You can sign, in, uh, sign up by filling in this form. You can contact my PA, Rebecca Tufnell. All her details are on here. Or you can just turn up. Please, would you take this as my personal invitation to you I'll be there to welcome you. We'll put on a delicious meal for you and we guarantee you a warm welcome and it's all absolutely free. And on that evening, we'll begin to explore who Jesus is and whether he really does have the answer to life and the answer to the problem of death. It'll be just one evening. You can come once and never come back. Just one evening. It will cost you nothing and it could be the beginning of you discovering what the whole universe is about. Well, before you come to that, let me offer you a, a DVD. You might be saying, I can't wait, I want to know more. Well, there's copies of this DVD, I'll have them on the door. And if you want, want to take one of these to find out more, then please do. That will tell you more about the significance of the resurrection as well. Well, thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. And now we're going to just sit back and listen a little bit more. And we're going to have a solo, a song about Jesus' death on the cross and some of all that that achieved for us.